The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, the host of this shindig. Wow, we live in a world where the Washington Nationals are our World Series champions. We won't get to that. Um, we won't even talk any baseball, I don't think, because we're doing our Thursday night preview show. Reminder, if you love the podcast and you want to leave a review, by all means, do it. Those of you who have left him recently, Appreciate you. Really nice stuff people saying on iTunes. Except the guy who claims we put out too many podcasts. Weird thing to come up. Uh, anyway, this is 10 this week because of the trade deadline to the second podcast featuring the one, the only Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? Are you sure that the baseball season lasted beyond the Yankees getting eliminated? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure once the Yankees are out, baseball season's over. Fun fact, the Yankees elimination game is the single happiest day of my year. That's weird. Yeah, I hate the I hate the Yankees more than I like my own teams. What do you think about what do you think about the fact that um I, a Braves fan, am thrilled for the Nationals winning the World Series? Um I just I don't think this. much I, about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, those are two teams I don't care about. I just I love this Nationals team. Like the I don't know if anybody watched it. I mean like Howie Kendrick and Adam D. Eaton doing the, like, uh, the, the, like the car, they're both like car junkies. So they do the car celebration, um, in the dugout. They, like the baby shark thing that the team did. I don't know. There's just something, this team, I, I've always loved Max Scherzer, uh, my, my buddy Zeke, who podcast people know, um, from such hits as Brady Quinn calling and leaving him a voicemail. And Zeke watched 2019. Uh, he's a huge Nats fan and a Nats season ticket holder, so I'm excited for him. So, I mean, I got a bunch of different reasons. Strasburg, it was cool to see him win. Anyway, Nats are your World Series champs. Exciting stuff. Uh, not quite as thrilling as a Game 7 in the World Series, but we do have 49ers at Cardinals on Thursday night. On a scale of 1 to 7, how excited are you? Um, it, 7 is the highest. Seven is, yeah, like a game seven. Seven is a, seven is game seven of the World Series, everything on the table, and, uh, a one is, I know, Redskins Vikings last week. Well, if it's game seven of the World Series not involving the Yankees, then that means I'm like a 17 on the scale right, game, for tonight. Game, sorry, game seven, <laughs> game seven is, um, uh, Knicks and, uh, uh, Knicks and Lakers. Game seven of the NBA Finals. That's what okay. It's so what is oh your, what's your? Yeah. So what would be? Then it would probably be like a 0.2 if the Knicks <laughs> were in the finals. Like my God, Dude, oh. is a huge NBA fan. If you guys like the NBA, uh, make sure and follow him on Twitter at jadubin5. He also does last night in basketball where you oh, recap. Thank you. Excruciating, not excruciating. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, if, if, like a incredible detail. Uh, the things that happened in the NBA. Last evening, unfortunately, by the way, Steph Curry. Yeah, that's uh, uh, rough, the, man. The, man. Warriors 
are done. It's just it's Draper. hard to think of like I'm I'm thinking like so if the Patriots go like you know eighteen and one or nineteen and zero this year and win the Super Bowl and then next year they come back and uh like Tom Brady is out for the year and um let's see like and Stephon Gilmore is traded to clear cap space um and Devin McCourty retires and <laughs> Jason McCourty is out for the year. And Bill Belichick breaks his hand and, and retires. Bill Belichick breaks his hand. Yeah. That's like what this Warriors season is like. It's so yeah. crazy. By the way, I lost my balls last night uh, after Curry went down. I live bet the Suns because the Suns were throttling the Warriors. Yeah. Right? Throttling. They were up like 25 points. Uh, live bet the uh, Suns and then some random dude in the Warriors – so I buried a bunch of threes to like to lose by eleven. Oh, who was it? I wasn't watching uh, that late. Once Steph broke his hand, I was like, "Man, this is terrible." He was like, "What on earth is happening?" <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, is it it's Eddie Pascal? <laughs> oh, some clown. No, oh, Eric. Some Pascal? dude. No, some dude named Bo- Kai Bowman. Who is okay. Kai Bowman? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> he buried a bunch of threes last night in my face. Hate you, Kai Bowman. You owe me some cash. Um. Anyway, moving along. Anyway, yeah, team <laughs> Angela Russell's going to put up huge numbers though. Um. Okay. Cardinals, 49ers. Let's try this again. 49ers are at the Cardinals. The 49ers are undefeated. I got to tell you, dudes, this feels like the largest possible trap game on the planet because the 49ers. Again, undefeated, seven and zero, just destroyed the Panthers in in San Francisco with the world watching, expecting maybe an upset there for Carolina. Um, the Cardinals kept it kind of close with the Saints last week, but kicked a bunch of field goals and then lost thirty one to nine on the road. They're coming home, short week, and David Johnson's hurt, may or may not play. Chase Edmonds not playing. They had to trade a fifth-round pick for Kenyon Drake to get a running back in there, and the 49ers are healthy and rolling. It's hard to find um, – like, the narrative is very easy here, right? Who do the uh, the Niners have next week? That's, like, the whole thing about the trap game, right? It's like they come off a good win and have a bad opponent the next week, and then the week after that they have somebody good. Who, yeah. who are the Niners playing next week? Oh, you, oh, you don't, you don't, you're asking hypothetically. Like it, it is, yeah, I don't, it is I don't know who they're playing. They are playing week. the Seahawks at home on Monday Night Football. Basically. Okay, so yeah, then yeah, it does the trap narrative, the trap trap narrative is square, and then they get the Cardinals again in two weeks. And the Cardinals are three, four, and one and don't feel like a challenger in what might be the toughest division in football. Um, and then they get their, uh, they, have they already had their bye? They had to have had their bye, right? Yeah. Yeah, they had an early bye. Three, four, I think. Bye. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's why they're seven and nine. So yeah, I mean like it is uh it is absolutely a trap game. You are looking ahead and thinking, "Holy cow, we got the division on the line, baby." Seahawks coming to town in a primetime spot. But I mean, I got to tell you this, dudes, they haven't they've had a bunch of letdown spots and they just keep not being let down. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I think that the defense might be like trap game proof. Mm. Um just cause all three levels, they've been so good this year. Um, and I think it was, I think Lewis Riddick was who pointed it out the other day. It's not like just a bunch of athletes flying around. Like they're just in the right spot. Like every single time on every single play, yeah. it's, 
it's a defense that's just playing at an unbelievably high level um, in all phases, and there's so much talent everywhere. It's pretty crazy. All right, well, let's talk about uh, – we'll come back to the defense. Let's talk about their offense first because mm-hmm. um, it's weird. Like, we were always under the impression, I think, that the – you know, once things got going with the 49ers, I and mean, everybody believed it sort of would, right, that it would be uh, Jimmy G winging the ball all over the place, um, you know, putting up MVP caliber numbers – and while the 49ers offense has been very good, they're, they're a run team. I mean, they're eighth in rush offense by DVOA and, and ninth and 16th by pass. I mean, they're below average, slightly below average in terms of a pass defense. Can they win the title? Can they win it all with Jimmy G playing like this? I don't think they can win it with him playing like this. Like, I think they can win it with their offense working the way it is if they keep having the kind of success running the ball that they're having. Like, they're one of the teams where, like, because they've actually been this good, running it it actually like i'm not going to yell at them to pass more often or i won't yell at them as much as i do other teams um, but like they're they're run the ball 58 percent of the time which is pretty insane um and they really just have not asked jimmy to do all that much and honestly it's pretty good that they haven't because he just hasn't been that good this year like He's completing 70% of his passes and is almost at eight yards per attempt. And that seems good on the surface. Um, but he's got nine touchdowns and seven picks. Um, the 70% completion percentage, like his expected completion percentage at next gen stats is 68.2. So wow. it's not like he's doing all that much more than what he's been schemed into. He's got like the fifth lowest rate of tight window throws in the league, 12.2% which obviously is super low. Um, He's almost never asked to throw downfield. He's throwing 2.7 yards short of the sticks on his average pass. Only Luke Falk and Teddy Bridgewater are throwing further away from the sticks. Um, It's just, you know, he's, he's not being asked to do much. And the reason they're winning is because of the defense and the run game. Yeah. I mean, Conversely, I would point out that um, when when the Falcons were really good and Matt Ryan won MVP, um, they were a really good run team too. Like this is people. I don't. I mean, I don't think people quite get it. Like, I mean, I know you get it, but I don't think everybody fully understands it. The way that Kyle Shanahan wants to build, Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball. I mean, like he, you know, he wants to have a run a rushing offense that then leads to play action, and um, it's sort of like a I mean, you know, it's not dissimilar from what his dad liked to run. Uh, you know, you see like Tevin Coleman making, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bastardized version of what his father ran, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. Right. I mean, just to, to go back to the Matt Ryan comparison, the year that he won MVP, he averaged 33.4 passes per game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, in that season, I think was just about average. Um, cause the, the average this year is 34.6 passes per game, uh, for a given team. The Niners are averaging 27.1 per game. So there's, you know, running it like they ran it when 
Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta. And then there's what they're doing this year, which is, you know, completely different. Like, yeah, they're the, the highest rushing rate team in the league. And it's not all that close. Like the next closest team, I think, is four percent behind them. And even if you narrow it down to like neutral situations, plus or minus 14 points, they're running it on 54 percent of plays. Only four teams are above 50. It's the Vikings, Seahawks, uh, Ravens and the Niners. Obviously, the, C- the Seahawks and the Ravens have, you know, Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Um, the Niners do not have that. They have now, G. Of course not. And now I would also point out that, you know, just for playing devil's advocate here, that, um, you know, the Niners have uh, won by 14, 24, 4 against Pittsburgh, uh, 28 against Cleveland, 13 against the Rams, and that's really was like 40 against the Rams, nine, nothing against the Redskins in a game where you couldn't throw. Um, and then 51 to 13, uh, against the Panthers. So, right. That's why I think the neutral situation number works better. Yeah. Because they've sure. just been up by so much and so many I games. Mean, the Falcons offense stunk. I mean, the Falcons defense stunk in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like it was way below average. Oh, uh, for sure. And this is, you know, this is the defense in the 49ers that, I mean, I think, I mean, I know we're all a flutter about Bill Belichick and what he's doing with the Patriots in 2019. And I get it. Um, but I think, I mean, San Francisco is challenging them. It's crazy. Like you look at the defensive DVOA. And oh man, I was going to use that number later. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that. All right. So anyway, the, yeah. So anyway, the, we don't long term, we don't know what they'll do with Jimmy G. Um, mm-hmm. what do you think we'll see from them tonight? Yeah. I mean, well, just to, to relate to your long-term thing real quick, I think it's beneficial the way they structured his contract. They can get out of his contract with almost no dead money. And sign books this year. He leaves the Patriots. They could, you know, they could sign whoever they want. Um, Marcus Mariota. Sure. That probably would not be that good, but, um, yeah, they could sign anybody. Anyway, tonight, I mean, the, the Cardinals defense has just not been very good. And I think it works to the Niners' advantage that the best player on that defense is Patrick Peterson. And the Niners don't really, you know, have the kind of guy that you're going to ask Peterson to shadow. Like, Peterson is, you know, not necessarily useless against the 49ers, but there are obviously teams that he makes way more sense against than a team, you know, whose offense is primarily based around the running game and passes to the tight end and passes to the running backs. Right. I mean, um, if you look at it in 26.5, and not to steal a stat you probably you you have in your preview, but 26.5 of the targets or 26.5% of the targets are going to George Kittle, and then the highest targeted wide receiver, Debo Samuel. I mean, who wouldn't have seen that coming? Yeah, I mean, well, some of that is because, like, they were, like, jerking around Dante Pettis early in the season. True. Like, what do you, like, the Cardinals are sort of SOL. Like, you can't, you know, have, like, what are you going to do? Have Patrick Peterson shadow Debo Samuel or, I mean, shadow right. Dante Pettis? Like, the, the, you're right. I mean, like, plays right in the 49ers' hands. Yeah. And I mean, especially like the Cardinals defense, you know, even since Peterson's been back, they have, you know, not been particularly good at stopping the pass or stopping the run. Um, you know, I think they're 27th in DVOA against the run and 26th against the pass. Um, this is uh, an offensive, the, oh, sorry, a defense that is just not all that good. And uh, the 49ers, I mean, their offensive line is playing unbelievably well in both the run game and in the pass game. Um, you know, even though Jimmy is not playing that well, I think he's set up for success against this Cardinals team because they don't get very much pressure. 
they don't cover very well on the back end, and specifically they've just you know been destroyed by tight ends the entire season. And um, I think that works obviously really well for a team whose best pass catcher is George Kittle. Mm. Um, do you think that the 49ers will be in a let's pound the ball and get out of here mode? I think they're kind of always in that mode. Yeah, That's but it's like, essentially what they do. Well, yeah, but like that Panthers game was sort of a flex. It felt like mm-hmm. like that was a, not a kitchen sink game, but it was like Kyle Shanahan wanted to let. I mean, like I mean they were doing like the the forty eight yard Tevin Coleman run. Um, yeah, they just he depants the Panthers linebackers. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean classic get him going one way, shake him back the other way type of one cut situation. And in, in fact, Mark Schlereth, who was commenting on it, um, I, I think sort of fell for. What was happening? He's like, oh, it was designed to go left, and Tevin Coleman just read it back the other way. It's like, no, 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 no. That was, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that was a uh, that was designed to get everyone thinking it was going left, have them all sprint that way, open up a gaping hole to the right, and have Tevin Coleman plant his foot and take off running. Um, they also used like the what, what was the the twenty something yard touchdown run? It was like a single to Debo Samuel. Like the, it was like a old uh, like, it's like the, um... setup where they ran him out of the middle. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see what happens with their running game tonight, just in terms of who's healthy. It doesn't sound like Matt Breida is going to play. Raheem Mostert, um, I think, didn't practice on Tuesday and then was limited, I think, yesterday. Jeff Wilson had a, co- a concussion or a stinger or something uh, the other day, and I don't know if he'll yeah, play. Breida is questionable, limited practice Wednesday. Um Kyle Juice Check is obviously out. Mike McGlinchey is out. Uh, we have Joe Staley is doubtful, and Raheem Mostert, Mike yeah, McGlinchey out. I mentioned and Raheem Mostert questionable. That is, I mean, that is a lot of the guys that are. I, mean, I know the offensive line hasn't been there for a lot of the year already, but like that's sort of like the foundation of what makes this team go. Right, um, and you know they've been able to find success still running the ball, even without McGlinchey and Staley for the past couple of games. So, and I mean, it's it's not like the Cardinals' run defense is all that threatening, so I still sort of think that they should be able to run the ball decently well. It's just that they love rotating those backs in and out so much. And, you know, Coleman obviously had the ankle injury early in the season, and I don't know that that they want to give him, you know, 25 carries or whatever they've been trying to keep him in like the 15 to 18 range so i'm just interested to see what they do if none of the other running backs can go um that said brita plays through like everything i feel like he's hurt in basically every game that he plays he's like (laughs) i I don't know if somebody made this joke and i can't remember maybe maybe it was you i can't remember who it was so if it was you take credit for it if not um i'll just steal it from him but he's like maybe i think it might have been costas actually he's like the uh the knight from Monty Python. He's like, it's yeah. just, just a flesh wound. It's like, dude, your leg is hanging off. Please. Yeah, that wasn't me, but that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, 16, 18, 20, 11 in terms of carries for uh, Tevin Coleman, who's just been fantastic since week five, since coming back in week five, mm-hmm. has scored um, in uh, three of four games, including a three-touchdown explosion last week. Uh, four, four touchdowns. touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Yeah. One, two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, they oddly don't use him in the passing game quite as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Rita is kind of the guy that they get involved in the passing game out of the backfield. The, I mean, the good thing about all of their running backs, though, is that all of them 
are dual threat guys. You know, they haven't been necessarily utilizing Coleman as much in the past game as he was involved in the past game, like when he was in Atlanta. Like he was more of the past game guy and Devontae Freeman was less so. Um, but he can do that. Like that's what he was before he came to San Francisco. Obviously, Brita is a threat in the pass game. Mostert, I think we've seen as a threat in the pass game. Really, the only one they haven't used as a pass catcher is Jeff Wilson because they basically only used him like inside the five or ten yard line. Yeah. Um, all right. So you think they can probably run pretty effectively on this Cardinals defense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Cardinals really haven't stopped anybody on the ground. Not that they've stopped anybody in the air, but you know, especially on the ground, they haven't stopped Not anybody. Stopped anyway. They they certainly uh, they certainly are a Cliff Kingsbury coach team. Because they don't, they don't, they don't stop anybody on defense, but they do produce some offense. And after the break, we will talk about that. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business. Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, so they're two, both teams got to play. Both teams got to show up and play in this game, dudes. Um, we've got uh, the Cardinals offense going up against what uh, we alluded to earlier on the, on the, before the break. Uh, it might even be a historical defense. Yeah, the Cardinals could have a tough time tonight, and not just because their top two running backs are out. Uh, you know, obviously everybody, like you said, is talking about the 49ers, or sorry, about the Patriots, who, I mean, the defense is just, it's unbelievable. Like, it's the best defense in the history of DVOA's database, which goes all the way back to 1986. Uh, the 49ers are third in that database. You know, <clears throat> only the 1991 Eagles in addition to the uh, the Patriots are ahead of them. That is pretty huge. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, their they their defensive front is just unbelievable right now. I mean, 11.4% sack rate. Bosa is first in Pro Football Focus's pass rush productivity. D Ford is eighth, DeForest Buckner 26th, like and that's out of 167 guys who have played at least a hundred pass rushing snaps. So, I mean, these guys are just getting pressure better than anybody in the league right now. And obviously pressure is essentially the most important thing to stopping pass offenses from being successful. I mean, they're allowing the second lowest completion percentage, second lowest yards per attempt, second lowest passer rating, second lowest QBR, all of those obviously behind only the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, they're really, really good. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I even think I would even argue, and I'm curious what you think that, um, despite the Patriots, the Patriots, as you, you know, point out, are 43.3 DVOA, 49ers 41.6, Denver third behind them at eight, negative 8.8. I mean, that's like the gap is enormous. Um, 
I think the 49ers have a better chance of being sustainable this year than the Patriots. I mean, it's possible. Um, I just think that maybe due to the, the volume of name brand talent up front, um, you know, it might just seem like they have a better chance of keeping up the kind of pressure and sacks that they're getting. Um, you know, the Patriots, I think, come into each week with a different game plan defensively. They're, and I think you guys have talked about this with, um, I'm trying to remember who it was that you talked about the, the Patriots schematically with. Brady Quinn, maybe? Yeah, possibly. I think, it, yeah, uh, that probably sounds right. Um, they come in and, I mean, the, the same way they do offensively, they are a game plan defense and they will come in and just look completely different in one week than they did next week. Um, the Niners don't really do that. They're playing the, the same kind of way every week. So in that sense, like they know who they are, they know what they're going to do and they're going to do it. And like, if you can beat them straight up, like go ahead and try. Um, it's very uh, difficult. It's though. like, uh, it's like, I mean, Robert Sala comes from the, you know, the school of the Seahawks school of thought, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they do. They're, they're not trying to surprise you with what they do. Yeah. I mean, they're playing these zones behind the, the pass rushing front. It's, there's not a lot of space to throw and there's not a lot of time to throw. And to me, I mean, obviously the pressure contributes to this, but the big surprise has been the back end of the defense playing so well. Like, I don't know that it's surprising that Richard Sherman, now two years removed from injury, is back to playing really well. But the rest of these guys, I mean, the secondary last year for the 49ers was kind of a disaster. And a lot of these guys were there last year. But, I mean, it's just so much better this season. I mean, you're looking at going back to the pro football focus, there's – 115 corners and safeties who have played 100 plus pass rushing or sorry pass defense snaps um, in passer rating allowed on that list out of 115. Emmanuel Mosley ranks seventh, Sherman ranks ninth, Tavarius Moore ranks 11th, Jimmy Ward 26th, Kawan Williams 20 or sorry Jimmy Ward 22nd, Kawan Williams 26th, Akello Witherspoon 28th, and Jaquiski Tart 51st. So they're all in the top third of the league or sorry, the top half of the league, most of them in the top quarter of the league. And, I mean, even Tart, who's the lowest guy on that list, I mean, his passer rating against is 77.5. That's, mm. you know, like turning every quarterback into, you know, like Brian Tannehill or something like that. That's pretty good. Um, what uh, what do the Cardinals do here? Because, I mean, and, and what are your what are your thoughts on the, the – what, uh, what is the line? I should have queued this up at the, uh, the, the line from Arrested Development. The great experiment. Let the great experiment begin. Uh, the, uh, you know, I'm talking about bias for UK yells that, um, yeah, yes. yeah, yes, please move on. Uh, the, uh, but when, um, what are your thoughts so far on Cliff and Kyler sort of mid season, how they've done, what they look like and, and what they do to combat a team that, you know, they're going to have to see twice in three weeks. I think they look pretty good so far. You know, there were some struggles early in the season, but the way they spread the field, I think works really well for the run game. It's just like, you know, memo to NFL coaches, the way to run up the middle is by putting more wide receivers on the field and spreading the defense out, not by going jumbo and, you know, bringing a bunch of guys into the middle of the line. I, I'm just waiting it's to see how like long it takes. Defenders away, then you get more room to run. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It seems like common sense, but for some reason people think it goes the opposite. I don't know, but you know, they do that all the time. And I mean, they're fourth in rush offense DVOA 
so far this season. They're averaging 4.8 yards a carry. Obviously, Kyler contributes to that a lot just because of his ability to, to scramble and to work on design runs and just the threat of him being able to do those things helps out the running backs. Um, the offensive line, I think, has been much better than anybody could have expected this season. I mean, it was thought to be like a major, major weakness for them, and that really just hasn't been the case. Kyler's only been under pressure, I think, on 27% of his dropbacks, uh, which is one of the lowest rates in the league. So obviously that's a really good sign. Their run blocking has been pretty good as well. So I, th- I think that they're doing things the right way. They're doing things well um, in pretty much all aspects of offense. They've, they've gone from one of the worst offenses in the league to being in the top half of the league. That's pretty much all you could ask for with a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback. Um, and I think they're still working out uh, a talent deficit on the offense for the most part. I mean, their best receiver – for a lot of the season has been Larry Fitzgerald because Christian Kirk has been out for, for a bunch of the year. And I mean, I think you've seen Larry Fitzgerald over the last couple of weeks. He just doesn't have as much left in the tank as we might've thought based on the first couple of games. Um, so I think they're doing well for compared to what should have been expected for them. They haven't revolutionized offense or anything like that, but they're moving in the right direction and that's a good sign. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, it's a pretty big nitpick, but uh, they're freaking terrible in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, that kind dead of last. thing. Dead last in the NFL. Some of that, I think, is because their whole offense is based on creating the widest throwing lanes possible, and lanes just get smaller in the red zone. There's not as much of the field to cover, and you can choke things off a little bit, and especially when your whole offense is based on throwing over the middle, to running backs and slot receivers. It's just not, it's more difficult to do that when there are, you know, not as wide of passing lanes. They need to figure out how to get something from their outside receivers. Uh, you look at the offense, basically everything is running through Kirk, Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. Um, the outside guys are just not doing all that much. Some of that is because of the, the quality of the talent and the guys that they have out there, but some of that is the design of the offense too. They just, they need to figure out a way to, to challenge the perimeter of the field too. Um, last year at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury's team ranked, uh, 17th in terms of red zone scoring percentage with 89.6%. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, with this via teamrankings.com, uh, this year the Cardinals are 32nd in the NFL. At thirty-two point one four percent. So I mean, it's just, you know, it's not. It's not yeah, I would think that's that t- probably. I say the college. Excuse me, the college. Worth noting. Actually, you know, this is a stupid stat. Sorry, this stat sucks. This is uh Why does a college stat have TDs and field goals? I don't need that. I need TDs. <laughs> the hell? Yeah, I mean, I would say that also to consider Texas Tech talent level relative to. The rest of college football was probably better than the Cardinals talent level relative to the rest of the NFL. Yep. I know. I know. I mean, I, I, I would agree with you completely. Um, anyway, well, I, I think if you took field goal, I, I, part of my concern too is with the Cardinals is that Cliff Kingsbury takes way too many field goals. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, it, like I don't understand if you kick up for like, I've talked about this a bunch, I think, um, especially when me and Sean are doing like the live blogs on the night games yeah. where all these teams that kick on fourth and one, like you should be thrown out of the league if you kick on fourth and one. I don't care where on the field it is. You should be going on fourth and one every single time, like fourth and two, fourth and three. I think you should be going for 
that more than half the time too. Like you start getting into like, okay, fine at fourth and four on fourth and five. Even then, if you're on, if you're in positive territory, I don't really think there's much of a reason to kick unless you're in fourth and like seven or eight or more. Most teams average five or six yards of play and you're probably going to convert those more often than not, I think, or even if you don't, it's not that bad. Like you give the ball to the, to another team and like the 30 yard line, who cares? In the 49ers, I mean, excuse me, the, the Cardinals are fourth in the NFL in terms of fourth down conversion percentage. They're five of seven this year. They've converted 70, almost 72% of their field goal, 72% of their fourth downs. Um, you know, and then they got. I think also, especially in short yardage, just being able to do so many different things with Kyler and the running backs and yeah. the, the slot guys. Like you can even have Christian Kirk, you know, come across the formation. They've handed the ball off to him a few times. He even was in the backfield a few times last week after uh, Chase Edmonds got hurt. Um, there's just so many different ways they can challenge defenses. Like they should be going for fourth down considerably more often, especially when like they've kicked. I, I don't even know how many field goals inside the ten yard line. It's I completely do. ridiculous. I do. Nine. Nine. That's nine. insane. Yeah, I think it's nine. Well, they, they, Zane Gonzalez has attempted and made all nine, uh, 20, uh, nine field goals from 20 to 29 yards. So, you know, we're talking short, short yardage field goals that they just hit chip shots on. Yeah, go for it. I mean, you're, you're getting beat. Like, what are you doing kicking field goals? Three field, your offense is producing, producing field goals in New Orleans. You think you're winning with three field goals in New Orleans? Get out of here. It's weird. Especially like when, you know, you're probably an underdog in most games. Yeah. You should be pursuing like what they call David strategies where you want to up the risk, yep. you know, like you should be trying to increase variance as much as possible. And they're doing the opposite. They're playing things safe when they get into those kind of situations. And for a coach who's supposed to be, you know, very progressive offensively, it doesn't make that much sense. They should be way more aggressive. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. It is, um, and we need to wrap up and get the props, but it, it is, um, I do think it's curious the way that the Cardinals are sort of approaching this year because I, like, I almost think, and now look, this will change if they lose, you know, their next, uh, eight games, right? I mean, flip everything, mm-hmm. but like, it's almost like they've done enough with this offense and done enough with Kyler to be like, Hey, look, I know this is a huge risk, but you know, we have something going here. We, we should all get another year. I mean, you know what I mean? So I almost oh, feel- yeah. I mean, look, they've already won like, I guess three and a half games. If you count the tie, like, yeah, yeah. they're doing yeah, but, well. Yeah, for sure. And I, but I just think that if you're Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, you don't want to go out there and like, fl- like, you know, if you go, if like you go, like you just need to keep putting points on the board and stay respectable in these games. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Like they so I, I disagree with that. I think that so many coaches play not to lose or lose by less. And I think that, just makes you end up looking worse. Like play to win. You no, know? no, I, I'm, I, I agree with you. I'm saying, I, I just think that's where their mindset is. Like they want to make sure that they don't get embarrassed this season. Cause if you yeah, don't, and I, I think that ends up working against them because it makes you more likely to get embarrassed. Like you're kicking these field goals against the saints and congratulations. You lost 31 to nine or whatever it was. If you're going for touchdowns instead, like maybe you lose 31, 21. Right. And you put up 21 points on, I, 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 look, I agree with you completely, but you know, just saying, uh, all right, let's give the props. We, we're on the same page. I'm just saying, I think that's where their mindset yeah, is. And I think Kime is probably in more danger sure. of being moved on from just because the overall roster talent there is just really not good. Yeah. And, uh, it seems like Cliff and Kyle are sort of propping them up. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say that is true, except Kime is the guy who brought in Cliff 
and Kyler. Like I just think that Bidwell tied himself to everybody. Yeah, and I think he was he, also the guy that brought in, you know, Steve Wilkes and Josh Rosen last year, sure. and he's been given like 17 different chances yeah. to do this thing. But, and but I'll, I will say this too: like the, I think Michael Bidwell is incredibly loyal to Steve Kime because Steve Kime came up in that organization as a scout. He worked under Rod Graves, replaced Graves when Graves got fired. I think so. I mean, I I would my sense of it is that they are not going to make a change unless this thing just goes sideways. Just, oh, I, just, I don't think they will either. I just think it's more likely to come with Kime than it is with Cliff or Kyler. Okay. Like Kyler yeah. looks awesome. Kyler's um, awesome, right? And Cliff is making it work. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy G. Speaking of Kyler, Kyler over under two hundred sixteen and a half passing yards against the Forty ers tonight. Um, they, they run so many plays and I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball successfully just because, I mean, the 49ers run defense is so good. And then they're working with a running back who got there like three days ago. So I'll go over just because the volume is going to be there. It's going to have to go over almost. Yeah. The only times Kyler, the only time Kyler has been under 30 passing attempts was in a uh, cruise control victory, quasi cruise control victory over the Giants. I was 14 to 21 and they let Chase Edmonds do all the work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they will probably pass a lot in this game. Um, the one concern I would have is that, and this is very bizarre again for, for a guy who's been so, uh, aggressive is that they, when they're like down and out and the game's over, they don't seem to be trying to attack on garbage points, which is weird. Like that's what you always see in college. You know, like they'll Cliff Kingsbury will like be like, well, all right, let's just get it. You know, Game's over. We lost. Moving along. It's a little weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do they get c- completely blown off the field? I mean, the, the Niners did it to the Panthers last week, and the Panthers are considerably better. The, the, the Cardinals in their two games against top 10 DVOA defenses mm-hmm. have a negative 40 point differential and a negative 13 point differential in their other six games. Mm. Wow. Um, so yeah, maybe they do get blown off the field. Yeah. Cause I mean, New Orleans and Carolina are the only two teams they played that are good defenses. Yeah. So, um, like you look at their three wins and it's like Cincinnati, Atlanta, the Giants. I mean, those defenses. Mm-hmm. So, I don't yeah. know. That's, that's kind of my concern with this game. But, um, I, I would take over with Kyler too, just cause I think, yeah, it, they're going to be their The game script leads to the idea that he will be. Uh, passing the football over under Jimmy G Q passing yards, 247 and a half. Uh, under mm, love that way under, right? I don't know about way under, but definitely under there. The volume is not going to be there. His most pass attempts in a game this season is 33. Yeah. That means he will have to be winging it all over the place to get that. Uh, Kyler Murray throws an interception. Yes, minus 192 or no plus 150. I, I tell you, I think there's some value here. Uh, on which one? On no. Oh, I mean, I feel like it's pretty likely. The yeah. Niners have picked off 10 passes in seven games. Um, Kyler hadn't thrown a pick in four games. I don't want to say he's due, but I don't think that he's going to, you know, have a whatever it is, like a one point something interception, 1.4% interception rate for the rest of his career. Probably, probably fair. I think that the Cardinals only have the, on the season, confirm that this is correct. I'm pretty sure they just have four turnovers. 
Yeah, yep. um, four turnovers on the season. That's crazy. And those are Bad. Kyler's only four picks. So, yeah. and so if you look at the the four game splits, his first four games, he threw four picks on 169 passes. That's like a still a below average 2.4 percent yep. interception rate. And then in the last four games, he's thrown no picks on 123 passes. So I don't want to. It's again the word do like is not. Do that work, but regression. Um, regression, yeah. regression. Regression, I would say. Um, I don't know that I would bet on minus 192, but I feel like probably slightly more likely than not that he throws a pick just because of how good the defense is and the fact that it's unlikely that you throw, or I guess it's probably not more likely than not because if you only get picked on 2.6% of your passes, you're talking about not very big of a chance of uh of one of your passes being picked. Uh would you start Kenyon Drake in fantasy? I have no idea what his over <sighs> I will try and find it even I don't think so. Um I know he's gonna be in there a bunch, but I don't know that they could find really that much success running and I don't know that Kyler's gonna really trust him in the passing game, considering he arrived a few days ago. If David Johnson plays, would you start David Johnson? I would be worried about what happened a couple weeks ago. And I think I remember seeing early this morning that, uh, that he probably was not going to be active. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, Schefter. Um, I don't remember who, but this is the concern. Okay. So we'll get to the pick in a second, but George Kittle over under 69 and a half passing yards. Um, I'll go, over, I feel like it, the, all the passing is going to be to him. The Cardinals can't cover tight ends. Okay. Uh, and uh, finally, let's get your pick on this game. Who? What do you think happens here? Um, I think it's going to be one of those like uh, garbage time score type games. Like the Niners will be up twenty seven thirteen, and Kyler gets a garbage time touchdown twenty seven twenty. Wow. So you got the over there because uh, the over under is forty three, I believe. Check. What's what's the spread? The spread is uh forty. Oh, you didn't know, right? Usually you know. Forty Niners minus ten over under forty three and a half. Okay, so I'm like three points away on both. With a, yeah, I, mean, I think that's what it comes down to. Is like, do you think that Kyler Murray can throw a garbage time touchdown? Right. Or you know, because I, I you know, or the or the Forty Nine ers shorthanded. The, the, it, it does stink. Like it stinks out loud that the Cardinals are. Like, like the 49ers are such an obvious bet. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little too obvious for me. Yeah, especially with the Cardinals being, like, banged up a little bit. And, the, I mean, the Niners are banged up at their best position group, too. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wouldn't expect Tevin Coleman to have success if he has to just operate as the lead back. Um, but they are banged up. I think that's notable a little bit. Yeah. And this game's in Arizona, right? It's in Arizona. Yeah. Um, I mean, 10-point favorites on the road is pretty big. I think. It's huge. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, it's like a 17 point home favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm taking Arizona too. I think it's a, I think it's a hold your breath, cross your fingers, and pray for a Kyler Murray backdoor. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, dudes. Uh, fun as always, buddy. We will talk on Monday. Have a great weekend. You too, man. Bye.